Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, church family, and thank you, Pastor Corey, for that scripture reading. Church, would you please pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Church, you may have noticed some words this morning that sounded familiar to you. You may even be able to tell me right now exactly where those words come from. The verse is everywhere. John 3.16 is arguably one of the most well-known, most often quoted verses of Scripture in the whole Bible. I would place bets that you could ask any passerby if they know a Bible verse, and they would most likely tell you John 3.16. It's everywhere. It's on football players, black, it's on youth group t-shirts and sports posters. It's even on fast food packaging and in the title of a country song. And if you don't believe me, just spend a few moments on Google Images. This verse sure is quoted, recited, and displayed in many places. I imagine if you could ask someone to sum up the gospel in one verse, they might say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that anyone who believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And you might think, sure, it makes sense to choose that verse. It's seemingly simple, easy to regurgitate, easy to regurgitate, and encompasses the basics of the gospel of Christ. God sent Jesus, Jesus died, people are saved. But what about the verses surrounding John 3.16 that we heard Pastor Corey read this morning? And as Corey read that scripture for us, we hear that seemingly simplistic gospel message in the context of a conversation that Jesus is having with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee, and as you might know, Pharisees are all over the Gospels trying to outsmart Jesus, trying to stump the Son of God. And as a Pharisee, Nicodemus would have been a man of privilege, power, wealth, and entitlement that Jesus believes needs to hear the message of God's love for the world. Nicodemus needs a remedy for what he might see as the gospel message from his place of power, which would be a good news that is only good for him. And newsflash, friends, this is us. We are the entitled that also need to hear of God's love for the world and perhaps need our version of the good news to be remedied so that we can fully commit our lives to the work that Christ calls us to do. And what can be challenging about this text 
is that it is so often taken out of context and used as a judgment or a reprimand for people who don't believe in Jesus instead of the invitation that it is to participate in the love that God has for all people, for the whole world. Not just the parts or people of the world that we believe are worthy of love. Jesus is clear in his words to Nicodemus, this Pharisee who is probably expecting Jesus to tell him what he wants to hear, that God sent Jesus to die to save the whole world. That is the good news. So here we are on this fourth Sunday of Lent. We have crossed the hump day of this liturgical season and are more than halfway through. We can almost hear the cheers of the crowd as Jesus will enter Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. And not long after, we will be able to see the silhouette of the cross as the sun sets on Good Friday. You might be thinking, gosh, I'm so tired of Lent. I'm ready to eat chocolate again, or I'm ready to stop reading scripture every day, or whatever you chose to participate in for this Lenten season. And you might think, oh, I'm just ready for Easter. So it feels right that we would dive into this scripture today, almost like a nod of encouragement from John to keep going. The end is in sight. And John even gives us a small glimpse of what's to come when he says in verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up. John is referencing here a story from the book of Numbers in the Old Testament. In this story, the Israelites are traveling towards the Red Sea. With Moses in the lead, the people start to complain about the journey and complain about their destination questioning why God would bring them out of Egypt, their place of safety and comfort, just to go into the wilderness. And God responds to these complaints by sending poisonous snakes to bite and kill some of these Israelites. Until they repented of their words against God. And when they repented... God instructs Moses to create a bronze serpent and lift it up on a pole so that anyone who looks at it would not be killed, but be saved instead. So like Nicodemus, these Israelites needed a remedy for their actions against God, and that exalted serpent was what God sent to them. And as John says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness for the Israelites, so will the Son of Man be lifted up. John uses these words, lift up, which are also translated as exalted, as a paradox. John is pointing us to the physical Jesus who is lifted up on the cross at the crucifixion and pointing us to our Savior Christ who is exalted by God. John is reminding us that just like Jesus on the cross, we are human and we are weak and humiliated at times. But also like Jesus, God is working in and through us for something greater. Like the lifted up serpent was the saving grace for the Israelites, so the exalted son of God is the saving grace for us. I have a number of friends who are very 
engaged and integrated into the musical theater community. And this week marked one year since Broadway closed all across America because of COVID-19. And so I was listening to my personal show tunes playlist in honor of my friends and in honor of live theater being currently non-existent. And I was inspired to say the least. There's a musical that I love that you might know of either from Pastor Corey singing down the hallways or from those Broadway blogs that I know you all keep up with called Dear Evan Hansen. I won't go through the entire plot, but essentially the main character, Evan, gets himself trapped in this magnificent web of lies. And when the truth is exposed, or rather when he is exposed, he has no explanation. He doesn't know what to do, so he runs. The song, Words Fail, ends with these lyrics. What if everyone saw? What if everyone knew? Would they like what they saw? Or would they hate it too? Will I just keep on running away from what's true? All I ever do is run. So how do I step in? Step into the sun. This is what Jesus is asking of us in this chapter of John. In light of the truth that God sent Jesus to die for the world, what does it mean for us? It means we need not be afraid of the light or of being exposed by the light because light brings us closer to Christ. The light that John talks about in this passage is the love of Christ reflected in God sending Jesus to die for us. John says that the judgment of Jesus is that we have loved the darkness too much. We retreat into the darkness because it is safe. In the darkness, we can hide our selfish acts, our greed, our hate and evil, and those things about us that we believe Jesus would see as a reason to judge us. We ask the same question that Evan does. What if everyone saw? What if everyone knew? Or perhaps more poignantly, what if Jesus saw? What if Jesus knew? Will we keep running from what's true? Will we run from the light? We do run, and we run because the light, we're afraid of being exposed by the light. And we run from the love of Christ because we're afraid of what it might ask of us. Throughout this sermon series during Lent, we've been talking about what it means to live an altered life. What does it mean to embrace what Christ asks of us? It means to live a life of selflessness, humility, generosity, speaking out against injustice, and stepping into the sun. Stepping into the light of Christ and stepping into the love of Christ. So God, out of this magnificent, unending love that God has for us, sent Jesus, his only son, to die and be exalted on that cross so that the world might be saved. 
And I'd like to tweak those verses just a little bit to help us grasp what the words might mean for us today. God sent his only son to die for the world, then God gave Jesus to die for brokenness, for messy hearts, for injustice, for depression, for greed and guilt, evil and wrongdoings, and all of those dark parts of the world that we hide away for fear of being exposed or for fear of having to let them go. And so church, hear this. God sent Jesus to, into this world to die for us so that we might live for him. And how do we live for him? How do we alter our lives for Jesus? We reject evil and we choose light above darkness over and over and over again. Let's pray together. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks again for this day. Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus into the world to die for us, Lord, and we thank you for what that means for us. We pray that you would help us to step in to the light of Christ. Lord, help us to step into Christ's love for the world and help us to serve the world the way that Jesus did. Lord, give us a heart that is selfless, Give us a heart that is humble and generous, and Lord, help us to step in to that light and not be afraid of being exposed. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.